the importance of time. Now, all of you are considered priests of the Lord, for some of you who didn't know that. Every single one of you, if you're a saved believer, man, woman, or child, you're considered a priest of God. Amen. So that is what you are known as, is spiritual priest. Because of that, you are required by the Lord to serve Him. And you have not much time to cover. So we're going to look at Numbers chapter 8 and we'll read verse 23. Numbers chapter 8. And we will read verse 23. Now notice from the passage here that there is not much time given uh, toward these priests. The scriptures read, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is it that belongeth unto the Levites, from twenty and five years old and upward. They shall go into wait upon the service of the tabernacle, of the congregation. And from the age of 50 years, they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof and shall serve no more, but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge and shall do no service. Thus shalt thou do unto the Levites touching their charge. Now this one shows the urgency of time and also a little bit of sadness that basically they can't start serving the Lord until they're 25 at verse 24. So the starting point in life has been diminished for them. But then also know that verse 25, their time is up. It comes to the age of 50. So uh, this, is, uh, this is considered their year of not being active as much for the Lord. So it's not much time. And then verse 26 is even sadder that basically that there's no turning back, that they can't do anything for the Lord. And this passage showed me about the urgency of time. I believe that us Christians do not understand the urgency of time. We don't have much time to uh, live or serve the Lord. Uh, There are some good sermons that I've heard about you only have one chance. You only have one time. You only have one life left to live. There are great songs about that one, about uh, only one life uh, soon will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so this burdened my heart to uh, preach you this message about time, and I hope that it would encourage you and that it would convict you that there is not much time left to live for him and that we need to serve him. The title of my message today is For a Limited Time Only. Let's pray. Father God, please fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash away my sins with your blood. God, you know that I'm dust and ashes and nothing without you. All I can do is just preach what you call me to preach, what you told me to do. Fill within it, use it in spite of my inabilities and weaknesses. Open up and soften these people's heart. Make today's preaching a blessing to the hearers and change their lives. Because again, Lord, I cannot change them, only you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My first point is starting point in life. Starting point in life, if you look at verse 24, it says, This is it that belongeth unto the Levites from twenty and five years old and upward. They shall go into wait upon the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So notice that this passage shows that the starting point of their age, and that is the 25. That's where they begin and start. If you were one of these Levitical priests, and then you started out at 25, what would you do? You would say, you'd probably have a passion and say, because I've just started in this work and it's such a big work, I've been waiting for a long time. My family talked about this. Uh, the, the people in the 
church, so to speak, talked about how important a position this is. And I've been waiting for years and I've just begun and I'm going to work really hard and do my best because I don't have much time left to do this. I only have a limited time to serve the Lord. So I'm going to do the very best that I can. But what's very sad is that Christians today, you are already known as spiritual priests. And you've just begun and started the greatest life that you can ever live as a Christian. But what is very sad that as you started out your life, that you did not think about that I don't have much time, so I'm going to do all that I can to live for Him. When you get saved and you start serving the Lord, the problem with many of you is that you just wait and see. You just go with the flow. You wait for something else to open up an opportunity and get you involved, get you excited. The Bible shows that we don't have much uh, time left to live for him. Whenever there is something that we usually start with in serving the Lord, the problem is this. When it's not just serving the Lord, but with any task that you're given. Hey, clean the dish and, uh, dishes and then, you know, to your children, make sure you clean your room, make your bed. Or you'll call out uh, one of your sons and your daughters by name and say, hey, you know, I need you to do this. And then what does your children do? It's always like, you know, five minutes later and then they'll come walking in, right? You parents get annoyed by that, but you're pretty much the same thing too. Is that basically when it comes to your Bible reading and prayer and serving the Lord and coming to church and winning the soul, it's always done later. You know, the thing is, is that When God says, get right with God, you say, I will do it. When God says, make sure you read your Bible and pray, you go, I will do it. Make sure you come to church, you always go, I will do it. When God tells you, hey, it's about time that you go to this next step for me, you go, I will do it. Now, what's bad about that is that that's future, that's not present. In other words, you're not doing it now, you're going to do it later. And whenever God tells you to do something, you always think about not now, not now, not now, or later, later, later. And you've got to understand this. As soon as you've given that answer to the Lord, you've already lost the battle. Can I repeat that again? When the Lord tells you to do something, and then he tells you to repent, When you go not now or something, you already lost the battle. You might say, why is that? It's because you're used to that feeling that you're in, in your flesh. So these feelings in your flesh, like uh, not now or later, why? Because the feeling that you're used to, that you're comfortable with, that you want to cling on to. And you got to understand this. If that's what's holding you back from saying, uh, I will do it now, Lord, then remember this, if that's the root cause, that feeling, then don't you dare think and have this fantasy that this feeling's going to go away. It's always going to remain, and you understand the bliss and the comfort of later, and I will do it. Just now is not the right time, because you're so used to that feeling, guess what? It will guide you to the day you die. That emotion, that feeling, unless you're willing to see, get rid of that feeling feel uncomfortable, discomfort, then you get victory. But see, you don't like that. And that's the problem. You know, the Bible says that 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11, 
my sons, be not now negligent. Now, did you notice that? It says, be not now negligent. For the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. Now, see, the people here who are worshiping God, serving God in the tabernacle as priests, God says, when you're negligent, make sure that you're not now negligent. Don't be negligent now. And that's the problem, is that God, when he commanded you to do something, it's now. It's now. Not later. Not later. It's now. Read your Bible. Then you got to read your Bible. Go to church. Then go to church. When God says, hey, you got to win a soul, win a soul, Amen. pass out a track, Amen. pass out a track, Amen. clean up your sin, your act, your, will, uh, your worldliness. Well, not now. You need to do it now. Amen. Not later, but now. Amen. Because negligent now is a sin. You have to understand that. It's a sin in the eyes of God when you're negligent now. Why? Because he commanded you, be not now negligent. That simple. And because you're starting to serve the Lord, what's holding you back? It's negligence, see? It's the idea of not now. It's later. And then you're already wasting the clock already. How many years has it been since you've been saved now or start, started to attend a Bible-believing church? Clock is ticking and time's running out. That's why I do it now. The reason why we waste much time in our life and don't bring enough fruits to the Lord is because as soon as we get up in the morning, that's the key. As soon as we get up in the morning, we already have all our plans ready. But what we're going to do with our schedule, with our work, with our own. And yeah, I'm going to be eating. I'm going to be driving and I'm going to be studying and, you know, I'm going to be socializing. I'm going to mess around with the Internet or I'm going to be doing my own convenient time and schedule. I got to do shopping. I'm going to brush my teeth and take a shower. See, as soon as you get up in the morning, you already have all this in mind that you're going to do these things. But you didn't include Bible reading or prayer. You didn't include getting that sin cleaned up. You didn't include about studying and learning more of that book so that you can witness more effectively, so that you can be a good testimony. No, that's not included in your schedule. It's the normal things of what lost people are doing. That's what you do as soon as you get up in the morning. And when that happens, that shows me what your first priority is. Your first priority is the world, not God. See, it's the things of this world that become your first priority and not the Lord. As soon as you wake up in the morning, is the first thing in your mind God? Or is the first thing in your mind, uh, brush your teeth and let's go to work? Let's catch up in, with my studies. Hey, I'm going to cook a nice big breakfast. You know, what's the first thing on your mind? As soon as you wake up in the morning, that's crucial, that's key. And then in my first point here, which is starting point in life, that's my first point in this message, that's the thing is that how, when you begin well, you end well. Amen. So as the crucial key is as soon as you wake up in the morning that God is in your mind when you do the work for the Lord. The Bible says that 2 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 11, and they burn unto the Lord every morning... See that? Every morning they burn unto the Lord. And every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. The showbread also set they in order upon the pure table. And the candlestick of gold with the lamps thereof to burn every, every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but ye have forsaken him. 
Why is it that they've forsaken the Lord in their priesthood work? It's because they didn't burn the incense to the Lord every morning. See, every morning, as soon as you start out your day, God's got to be in your mind, and I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to do that for the Lord. Not that I'm going to catch up with my schoolwork. I'm going to do well in my work today and impress my boss. I'm going to go and make sure that I please my family really well. And I'm going to make sure that I get my relaxed time and I have my own convenience scheduled out. I'm going to clean the house. No, they shouldn't be those things. It's got to be God as soon as you wake up in the morning. As soon as you wake up in the morning, God has to be in your mind. God has to be in your mind. And that's going to help you overcome the is when you wake up in the morning and have God in your mind. But if it's so difficult for you, I challenge you to do this. This will help you. What's going to help you not be negligent now and not bypass time again and skip your service for the Lord again and your spiritual duty for the Lord again. Just as soon as you get up in the morning, just say three seconds to God this. Just three seconds. All right? It's not much. It's not a big challenge. Just three seconds. Just say to God, Lord, please give me an opportunity to accomplish something for you. Fair enough? Isn't that simple? Lord, give me an opportunity. You have to make me do it. Lord, you have to open the door. Let me accomplish something for you. And guess what? The Lord, you don't think the Lord's not going to answer your prayer? Amen. Start that. In the morning, as before you get into your busy hustle, bustle and everything that you scheduled out, just first thing in the morning, do that. And let's see what the Lord does. Maybe he'll send a soul along your way. Maybe he'll have some brother or sister in Christ encourage you to get more involved in something. Maybe it's the Lord will give you more grace and new strength to do your Bible reading and prayer, to conquer the sin, etc. Amen. Amen. There's a brother in Christ uh, that I won't be naming, but he rushed a lot toward the television rather than the Lord, actually. So he spent a lot of his time on television rather than God. Now, he struggled with his time spent on television with his time spent on God. But here's something crucial you need to hear. He still did a pretty good job for the Lord. He spent about seven hours in church, one and a half hours of street preaching, five hours of Bible reading with prayer every week, etc. So not too bad, all right? Not too bad. So he's done that much for the Lord. But here's the thing. The time spent on television eventually led him in spending three hours a day with it. So if you spend three hours a day on television, then you total it to 21 hours a week. Then by the end of the year, it's 1,092 hours a year. Now, remember his service for the Lord, seven hours in church, one and a half hours of street preaching, five hours of Bible reading with prayer every week. Why? That's 13 and a half, which is not a good number anyway. (laughs) 13, unlucky 13. Uh, But joking aside, 13 and a half spent on God with 21 hours hours spent on a stinking screen so when he uh, when you compare his time spent with god and television what does that mean that means with that 1092 hours a year 
that he wasted time uh, that he wasted time on television. Four hundred, you must understand, of the hours he could have used for the Lord. There were four hundred hours extra spare in between. Do you know how much you can accomplish for God in four hundred hours? Amen. That would be all. Uh, that would be a lot of time, probably in half a year of Bible school that I learned. That's huge, right? That would probably be all your discipleship classes, all your soul winning classes, all the apologetics that you can learn to defend your faith, all the, a lot of the doctrines. Man, within a year, <laughs> that's pretty fast too. But it was spent time on television. And that's why the Bible says at Romans chapter 13, verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. In other words, the scripture says that you've wasted so much time in the dark and the day is at hand. Why don't you cast off that work of darkness that is wasting your time because you only have a limited time to serve the Lord and there is not much time that you've got in your life. And when you started serving the Lord, don't let the world, don't let the sin, don't let the flesh waste your time. All that extra precious time that you could have spent in growing so much for the Lord. How did you start out your life? How many years have you been saved now? How much time have you wasted as you started? My second point is stopping point in life. Stopping point in life. Verse 25. And from the age of 50 years, they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof. See, what you've got to understand is this, is that at a point in time, at a point in life, you're going to stop doing the service for the Lord. You might say, is it because of my weakness? Is it because of my sin? No, it's because genuine things happen. Genuine things happen that will prevent or stop you from serving the Lord, which shows you even the more urgency that if you've already stopped serving the Lord because of your sin and flesh, wait till genuine situations happen that stop you from serving the Lord. And even no matter how many best intentions you have to serve the Lord and dedication you want to serve the Lord, sometimes that situation just won't let you. Say that to the bunch of onliners, hundreds of onliners who don't have a Bible-believing church, and you do. Say that to a bunch of uh, elderly people who already passed and reached the old age, and they can't do witnessing effectively. They can't go outdoors with you and preach the gospel. Tell that to a bunch of people who lost their, uh, who are losing their eyesight and their vision, and they can't read the Bible anymore. See, time will stop you one day. Your problem, and that is your exact problem. You know, I'll do this for the Lord, I'll do that for the Lord, and I'm not sure about this in the Bible or that in the Bible, and I'll do it when I'm ready, and you know, not now, and stuff like that. That's your problem. You think there's a convenient time for that, and the devil knows that. And then he's going to always distract the convenient time, right? Look at in America. You're, if, you, if you all tell me that you're busy with your schedule and you're a hard worker and, there's, and, you're, and you're having difficulty managing your schedule, that already proved to you that there's no such thing as a convenient time to serve the Lord. So what are you waiting for? Oh, when the schedule clears and it's gone? No, not no such thing. I have a feeling that 100% of you, you all have something in your schedule. And, that's a, and then there's always an excuse or a reason why you can't do that for the Lord. Why? Because something's interfering. 
with your schedule. So you should know there's no such thing as a convenient situation or a convenient time. Do you now see how urgent time is? A young child figures, you know, I'm going to serve God when I get older. But guess what? College studies would, would interfere with that young child. A college student, once he turns into a college student, he'll figure out, you know, I'm going to serve God when I graduate. But guess what? He gets a family life and his job interferes as well. Then the adult, when he turns into adult working in a job and has a family, he says, you know, I'll serve God when I retire. But guess what? By then it's too late. Poor health interferes. You don't have much time. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. We're living in evil times, evil situations that will always constantly hinder and interfere. So there is no such thing as a convenient time. What are you waiting for? Get out and serve the Lord. Clean up your act. Get together. What are you waiting for? Now, let me give you this example. Let's say that there's a billionaire who's going away from his mansion, all right, and his uh, residency. And then he gives you a year to work hard for him at his residency and his place. And he says, okay, so you got a year to work hard for me. And what I promise you is this, is that if you work really well and you take care of this place, my residency, really well, I'm going to make sure that you are taken care of for an entire lifetime, all right? Now, what would you and I do, okay? You and I are going to work really hard on that one. Why? Because it's only a year long that I have to put up with it. And then for a whole lifetime, I've got it made. Let's also say that the billionaire told you, but guess what? Good news is I might come even sooner than that. I might come even sooner than that. So make sure that you work hard and do your best. Then you know what you're going to do? You're not going to lope. You're always going to be watchful through the door any moment but also there's that joy and hope that i don't have to do this as long as i thought what's my point my point is jesus christ is coming soon Amen. Yeah. life doesn't guarantee that you will live up to 80 the bible talks about dying before your appointed time didn't you know that so god gave you an appointed time and that's your lifetime right but guess what? It's only a lifetime that you have to put up with it and work hard in the residency and the place that the Lord has given to you. His precious place that he's given to you. And he's living inside your heart. This, what a treasure right here. And then he wants you to take good care of it. And he says, it's only a lifetime long. And the rest of your eternity, you've got it made. See? It's not that long. It's only a lifetime. I mean, if you were to put it to a perspective of one year compared to a lifetime, and if people were working hard for a year, it is quite a long length of time. But if you compare a year to a lifetime, it's very short. And that's the same thing with your lifetime. It may feel long and hard a lifetime, just like that one year. But when you compare that with eternity, you realize time is so small. It is so small. You don't have much time. And Jesus says, I'm going to come even sooner. Amen. I might reward you even sooner. Amen. So then, wouldn't you work really hard and not let anything stop you? Amen. And you're going to work your best and, do, and accomplish a lot for the Lord? Revelation chapter 3, verse 3 says, Remember, therefore, 
how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Jesus warned the church that, hey, and he's speaking to the church of Sardis here, Revelation 3, that uh, if you're not watchful in doing your service for me, I might come at a time where you may not be aware sooner than expected. You know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is this, is that he might just come right now. He might just come right now, and it's too late already, even though you heard the sermon. Time is so urgent. We don't understand the crucial, the urgency of time. This is a true story. There was a young woman named Wilson who lived near Philadelphia and was committed of a crime to die by being hanged. Now, her brother used his utmost effort to obtain a pardon for Wilson. And he worked hard, he begged, he put his uh, sweat, blood, and tears, so to speak, to just rescue his sister. And miraculously, this is a miracle, <coughs> he received a pardon from the governor. So all he had to do was deliver that pardon to where the execution site would be, where his sister was. So having enough time to save his sister, he was happy and... You know, he was riding his horse. I got the time. I got the chance. I got the opportunity. I can rescue my sister. But what happened is that normal pace, all of a sudden picked up the pace. And he was going faster and faster. Why? Because he started to see some drizzle. And then an outpouring, an unexpected rain. And he was worried. And he's like saying, oh, no, the river. So he went really fast. To his dismay... Uh, it swelled up the stream and all he could do was just wait and wait and wait one hour, two hours, three hours. What's going to happen to my sister? Oh no, they're probably taking her to the execution site right now. Uh, today's that day and oh my goodness, I got to make it. Oh man, I, I hope that they're still working on that execution site and they didn't have it prepped up. Oh, come on. I mean, I want that stream to die down. Oh man, why is it even higher? Oh, God! And then he had to wait and wait. And finally, he found just enough where he was able to cross. Once he crossed it, he dashed like there was no tomorrow. He dashed to the place of execution. As he arrived to the scene, in his horrified gaze, he saw his sister strangling on the rope, still alive, trying to catch her breath. And then... It was too late. She died. Just probably two more minutes would have made a huge difference. What's my point? Two more minutes made a difference for you. Just one hour in Sunday made it Sunday main service could have made a big difference to you and changed your lifetime. Uh, just one ladies' Zoom meeting, just one monthly fellowship, one summer camp, one revival could have made a big difference that could have changed your life. And some of you, it did, didn't it? You don't understand how crucial time is.
very crucial. So crucial. But now you keep stopping and stopping and stopping. Hindrances prevent you from serving the Lord. And you know why it's preventing you from serving the Lord? Is because you don't realize how urgent time is. And you don't treasure every minute. A minute and moment and hour and day and opportunity that the Lord God has given to you to serve Him. Because some of you recall, some of you recall that one summer camp you skipped and it wasn't until years later at a different summer camp that you finally caught up. But you already wasted, what, how many years now, huh? Some of you, one Sunday main service, it was that particular sermon pastor preached, but you missed out. That could have rescued you. And it wasn't until probably five years later he repeated that same sermon that changed your life and helped you. My, my time. How many of you wish you gotten saved earlier? I know how many people who started to come to our church and growing in the Lord. I know how many of you wish that you would have gotten saved earlier, cleaned up your act earlier, got into a Bible-believing church earlier. Because a lot of you are now feeling like I've fallen so much behind. I feel so discouraged. There's so much I want to do for the Lord. So all we could do right now is just encourage you. Just step by step and keep serving the Lord. That's all we can do right now is to keep you stable, encourage you, and say, look, trust in the Lord in His timing. But see, that's the thing is that when the Lord molds you and moves you, it goes by His timing and His timing's not fast. Because His timing is not fast, and time runs out really quick, what does that mean? If I were you, I'd get on the altar right now, get right with the Lord, and serve Him. Because that's how urgent time is. Amen. My third point is staying point in life. Staying point in life. Let's look at verse 26. This is sad. All right, so he stopped now at verse 25. Verse 26, he's staying but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge and shall do no service. You know what that person is? He's on the sidelines, unable to do much for the Lord and just being there whenever he could and just watching the other brother and sister in Christ lead the soul to Christ while they can't. Watch the brother and sister in Christ come to the Bible-believing church while they can't because they're hospitalized and stuck in bed for life. Watch their brother and sister in Christ go off to a Bible school and learn more Bible studies, get trained under the pastor while they can't because they're not as young as they used to be. All they can do is wait on the sidelines and watch. That's got to be the most frustrating thing. It's one thing that something stops you from serving the Lord It's another thing that something makes you watch and see doing nothing for the Lord while watching and seeing other people accomplishing for the Lord. That's got to hurt even more. The most frustrating thing in my life, I'll tell you what it is, it's to stay and stay and stay when I see so many opportunities to accomplish something that I could have accomplished and get my reward, but I can't do a single thing. You you know, uh, the Lord blessed me with a lot of fruit in my age, which is a huge blessing, and my youth, but this one came with what? Staying. Staying and watching other brethren 
pastors, missionaries accomplish things more. Well, I had to wait and stay and stay and stay and stay. But this was the difference. I started early. Because I started early, the Lord gave me the fruit. But I'll tell you what, if I'm 80 or 70 and I had to stay, 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 I probably would never have eaten the fruit. You know why I eat the fruit now? I, I'm enjoying my youth still. That's a blessing. You know why? I went out now. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. You need to do something now. Go to a Bible-believing church. Go out and try to learn how to witness and just study the Bible. We have discipleship programs. Onliners, you have no excuse too. We've given you a playlist of discipleship onliners. You don't have time. Time is running out and you need to serve the Lord. How would you like to spend two years making phone calls to people who aren't home? That's a waste of time, right? How many of you would volunteer to do that? <laughs> no one would. It sounds absurd. Well, according to one time management study, that's how much time the average person spends trying to return calls to people who never seem to be in. Isn't that interesting? Two years. Every single second and minute counts. See that? Not only that, add to this one. Add to this one, people, all right? Add to this, we spend six months, six months of time waiting for the traffic light to turn green. Some of us would probably say, that's short? I think it's longer, Pastor, in a lifetime. <laughs> and then what's even longer than traffic light, surprisingly, is eight months reading junk mail. Now, if you were to compare time spent on traffic lights compared to your serving the Lord, that's a crying shame. You haven't even read through that Bible once yet. You haven't led one soul to salvation yet. You haven't even gone through that perilous yet. You haven't done something for the Lord yet. And guess what? You're accomplishing more in waiting for green, uh, traffic lights to dur- turn green rather than reading through chapters of your Bible. You know what that is? That's an example of staying. You are going through staying points in your life already. Junk mail, traffic lights, returning phone calls, etc., etc. But it's going to get longer than that. Wait till age catches up. Wait till circumstance the situation cause you to move away from a Bible-believing church. Wait till the Bible-believing, wait till the situation happens when the Bible-believing church shuts down. Why? Because you didn't go. Other people didn't come in to encourage the pastor. And so the pastor got discouraged and closed down the church. You don't think that can happen? It can. You know why? Because I almost did. Then you probably wouldn't have heard a lot of this Bible-believing truth, right? Or even online. You have no time. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That passage shows that Jesus Christ died for me and I love him so much because he died for me. And that's why Paul says, I want to live now. I want to live the life that I live now in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Why? Because He died for me. Amen. He saved my soul from hell. Amen. How many times did God rescue you from a lot of death, death situations? A lot of situations where uh, He didn't have to answer the prayer, but He answered it. A lot of times you deserve lightning from heaven because of your sin, but His mercy and grace gave you breath to live. I mean, what a great God. Don't you feel like, wow, I want to at least pay him back. I want to pay him back a little bit. Don't you love him for that? Yes. He's done so much for you. I mean, if someone in this room died for you, died for you, died for you, you'd do something what you can do to just pay back the person or his family. And we're talking about the creator of the universe who was tortured through the most bloody torture in history and died for you. You can't live for a God like that. Can't you appreciate how much Jesus Christ loved you? So guess what? Because of that, I want to live for him. But guess what? The saddest thing is I only have one chance to do it. I only have one life to do it. If I can do a thousand lives, but I only have one to do it for him. And guess what? Sadly, 99% of that life is wasted, wasted on something else. Have you ever seen a, a lifetime compared to eternity? It's like uh, one preacher or other people would talk about when they compare your lifetime to eternity. This is my sermon note here. Let's say that all this piece of paper is your eternity. You know how small your lifetime is compared to that? This edge right here. That's how small it is. This is your life. And this is one. You only have one of this thin line to live for him. If there was a God who bled, died, and sacrificed, and wore out, I mean, he, he just wore himself out to death for you, this life is worth living to burn out for him, to just sacrifice my all to him, give him my best, because it's only this life. What, what is there, why do you want to waste time enjoying the flesh in this life? This this thin line. Why not this? Why not this? This. This is how much you got left to get rewarded. To get paid to enjoy bliss. This is how much time you've wasted in sin. In me. In, this is what you are. This is how worthless you are. Thin line. Thin line. So guess what? Oh, it's so hard to serve the Lord God. So what? I only have one to do that. Oh, I have to give up and sacrifice this and that for the Lord. So what? It's just this for him. Oh, it's going to take away my joy of what I want to do in my lifetime. So what? It's just this. It's just this. That's why 
what keeps me going is, God, I only have this to give my all for you. To give my all, to burn out for you, to die for you, to live for you, to have people criticize me, to misunderstand me, to know what it's like to feel betrayal and hurt and suffering. I only have this much that I can do for you, Jesus. You know why, Lord? Because you've done that for me. You were betrayed. You were mocked. You were scoffed. And you were crucified. You were stripped naked. You were whipped. You were tortured. You just died. You died for me. No matter how hard I burn out for him, it'll never compare to what Jesus, how he burned out for me. So guess what, church? You only have one. Make your chance now before the rapture sounds now. You know what's going to be so sad is that this is, uh, you won't, you, you still don't understand. I really mean that. You still don't understand how little, worthless, petty this life is, how small it is. You still don't understand until you go to heaven. And when you go to heaven, you're going to know. And you're going to see. And what you thought was an eternity. Oh, lifetime is so long and it's so hard to serve God. And oh, God, I can't do this. And oh, Lord, it's such a long time. No, this thing is going to get smaller. It's going to get smaller. And then it's going to hit here. And guess what? It's going to be smaller than this. It's gonna, when, when you hit eternity, this don't even exist. And then when you hit the timeline and step at the beginning, the beginning of eternity, that thin line of that paper has disappeared. And then you're going to feel it and you're going to know it. It can be like this and I'm not going to go like this. And I'm not going to go like this, you know, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. What our previous preachers basically do is that they've tell, told you the importance of time. It can go where... You are a young person, very young age, and you got saved very early. Praise the Lord. And then you attended a uh, Christian church here and there. But guess what? Is that there's no interest in the Lord. There's no passion. Why? Oh, there's not enough young people my age. Oh, reading the Bible is so hard and difficult. Praying's boring. You know, my mom and dad repress me from the things that I can enjoy in the world out there. And I'm not just living the normal life like the like those young people are doing. I feel left out. I feel oddball. I'm not independent enough. I'm not free enough. And then, you know, what happens? That rebellion happens. That is the best age to be trained and to grow in the principle of the Bible, to rescue you when you go out by yourself. But you've rebelled and you've uh, blocked out the Lord and then the youth age ended. Now you're 18 or 19, 20, 21. Now you're out in the world. You can't live in mommy and daddy's basement forever. You're out in the world. Now you work in a job. Now you go in college. And throughout those years, you start to, I'm free now. I'm independent. I can do what I want. And then guess what? You now understand real life situations. And then the world caught up to you. And guess what? Opportunities of sins constantly open up. So you delve into sin. But there is no joy. There is no peace. There is for a season. And you thought you had it made. But the devil used that to deceive you. And then now college has gotten you busy. Work has gotten you busy. Paying your bills has gotten you busy. And then you're like, I don't have time to serve the Lord right now. 
And then guess what? Now the schools make you doubt the Lord and make you recall the suffering and the hurt that you went through. And then guess what? Then those young people are like, you know what? They're right. My liberal professors are such nice people. My liberal lost friends, they're kinder than the Christians I grew up in church. I remember every bitter experience I went through my Christian friends at church. They gossip and they're very hypocritical. So you know what? I find solace right here. Time has passed by and then here you go and then you graduate from college. Now there is practically no chance for you to serve the Lord because you got brainwashed. You got convinced that your worldview, your way and your decision will have it made. And then so I'm not going to live serving the Lord. And then as soon as you grow up and then you start to live in the real world experience, working in a job, working hard, and you have these goals and these plans. Like, I can't wait for me to have a nice little condo with no plot of land, paying only $3,000 in the Silicon Valley. Wow! Wow! God bless you, man! Wow, what a life, man! I can't just wait to do that. So I'm going to graduate well from my university, work hard in a job so I can live happily ever after with a family like that. God bless you, all right? You must be mad. And then some people, they just have this delusion that they're going to be happy with their life, their family, and then they go through date after date, fornication after fornication, and then finally they get, oh, I got the person that I like, and yeah, I may have had many different relationships and heartbreaks and Whatever, I ruined my Christian testimony, but this showed me that I finally found the right person. So it was important for me to go through that so I can be satisfied with this one person. Then you have children and that immaturity is still there where you think that it's going to meet up to your world and your expectation. But then it didn't turn out to be the right person that you want to be with for your marriage. The children didn't turn out the way that you want it to be done. And no matter how hard that you planned it and you learned everything from your schools and you decided maybe I'll go to church after that. So then you decide to go to church so that you can drop off your kids at a nursery so that maybe they can do the homework to changing and not you to change your children. And then guess what? That immaturity still lies in there. And that immaturity and that fleshliness and your own way is still in there. But guess what? By that time, it's already too late a little bit more because children are looking at mommy and daddy. And when they look at mommy and daddy, they're going to say, why should I live for the Lord? Why should I live for him? And then guess what? No matter how much that you plead for help or you even pray to the Lord, the children's lives gets messed up. Why? Because your children will end up worse than you if you don't realize that. They always end up worse than you. Why? Because what you yielded a little bit to your flesh, they're obviously going to do the same thing and then they want to do their own way of committing the ways of the flesh. And then guess what? Then you grow up and then the children grow up and they mess up in their lives and then you didn't do the discipline like you should as a proper Christian parent. You didn't spend the time and the loving care and the strict discipline and the measures that are made. And guess what? You ruined your child's life and perhaps some of them are even lost and going to burn in hell because you didn't even have the guts to lead them to salvation. Why? Because you had all that time to learn soul winning and training, but you wasted the time. And then so now the children grow up and they mess up and they have grandchildren. And God forbid, they become even worse. Some of them say, I question my gender. Some of them say, you know what? I don't believe in Jesus anymore. You know what? I hate God. And then you get grandchildren that end up like that. And all you can do as a grandparent is just say, what can I do? And you're a grandparent, and 
then you're starting to reflect your life. You know, I don't have much time left. I think I better serve the Lord. By that time, it's too late. And then, you know, you, you see, you're the one at church now hearing the announcements, let's go street preaching on Wednesday. Let's go visitation on Wednesday. And you're that, grand pers- uh, that grandparent who can't do anything but just sit down now. Hey, uh, we have a Bible Institute, discipleship classes. But guess what? You're that grandparent that can just sit down now. Can't do much. Why? Because your back's hurting. Your brain, your mind is hurting. Your health is catching up. And not only that, you went through divorce, obviously. Because you thought, because you played around with fornication, you didn't learn about contentment and sticking to one person. So when divorce happens, happens, guess what? Over 50% in America. It's like water. It's normal. It's normal to at least divorce once in their eyes now. Now they just live up. And then guess what? You're going to be that person who cries, Lord, oh, I wish I can do so much more for you. I don't have time now. And guess what? You die. And when you die and you go before the judgment seat of Christ, guess what? Time has just begun there. And God says, okay, here's your reward. Here's your reward. And then you have to watch line after line, person after person, receiving their reward. And then when it comes to your turn, you get none. And then here you are, you know, after the judgment seat of Christ, people enjoying their crown, their mansion in heaven, while you enjoyed your little condo with no property down there. Your life, your family life, your way of doing things. What, what worth was that now, huh? What worth was that now? And here you are watching these Christian believers enjoying their mansion, their eternity of rewards, and everything that they have, and all you can do is just watch. And then here goes one of your brothers and sisters. Hey, I got a crown. What did you get? Uh, And then we hit the uh, millennium, and you got 1,000 years of living there. And then 1,000 years in the millennium, you see everybody enjoying the place. And what happened to your little condo here at Silicon Valley? Oh, it got flattened. It got destroyed. It became a property for some uh, rich mansion for one of these Christians. He owned the entire complex by now. And there you are watching that. I used to live there. No, not anymore. Some brother and sister is now on your property with a mansion, all that property. And guess what? He's going to live like that a thousand years while you lived in that little condo of yours for probably, what, 50 years at best? And here they are enjoying their rewards, enjoying their rewards. And all you have to do is watch that, watch that. That's your staying point. You stay and stay and stay and stay. And you watch all their accomplishments, their enjoyments and rewards, and you get nothing. I'm going to tell you what. I'm very sure there's going to be a whole bunch of Christians at the beginning of the judgment seat of Christ asking every person, will you please slap me in the face because I was just too stupid to not see how worthless and thin and petty this life is. And I've wasted all this. And then at the millennium, you're going to say, You're going to ask every person, please slap me. You're going to go to everybody in this church and ask them, will you just slap me, please, for being stupid? You're going to hit, come across your pastor maybe one day. And then if I'm on the other side of eternity running around somewhere, but one day you might eventually find, one day you might eventually come across heads with me. And it'll be sad that you say, pastor, just slap me. I wish you just slapped me earlier, pastor. Just slap me now. I'm so stupid. And then, you know, you, 
it, with everybody in line at the judgment seat of Christ, as soon as you finish your turn, perhaps you would be that sad person after you finish your turn at the judgment seat of Christ and you say, God, I want to live for you. I want to live for you. And God says, no, you're done. Next. But God, you've done so much for me. I wish I could pay you back. I'm glad you have that desire, but you had one chance to do that and it's done. Next. And then you know what you're going to do? Look at that person who's right behind you and cry and say, just slap me. And then go to the next person behind that person. Just slap me. Next person behind that person. Slap me. Slap me. And perhaps you won't even be content. Even when you reach the end of the line of thousands to millions of saved believers. And you won't be done. You're going to be crying. You're going to be weeping. You're going to say, just slap me. And I don't care how red your face turns, even at the end of the line, perhaps you just repeat that cycle again. Don't let that be you. Every head bow and every eye shut. The altar call is open. You only have one chance in this life to repair your family, to repair your life, to rescue your children, to get involved in church, and to live for him. You young people, you have only one life. Don't waste your teenage years in stupidity. Spend your teenage years in living for Jesus Christ, uh, enjoying the bliss of family and friends in a Christian church. Young people, when you hit college and when you hit the older age, don't waste your years and your time in there. Live it for him, for Jesus Christ. Time is so short. And you already wasted so much time already. And you're trying to make reparations for the damage you caused for the past years of mistakes. Live for him now. It's the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. It'll transform your life. Oh, please serve him. Live for him. Repent now. Now. Now is the time. See, our time is so urgent. Not later. Now! One life to throw away. One life to burn out. One life to sacrifice. Give every breath that you have for the one who gave up his life for you. I don't want anyone to leave this place lost and burning in hell. You must understand hell is forever and ever. Time is longer than the Christian disappointment in heaven, in hell. You don't want to be that person. Are you 100% sure that if you died right now that you would go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? You might say, Pastor, I am not sure. You can do it right now. Get it over with. It's so easy. First step, know that you will go to hell because of your sin. Sin is damnable in the eyes of God, you will burn in hell for your sin. That's the first step you must understand. You might say, well, pastor, duh, I already know that. Well, great, good. Some people don't, believe it or not. If you already know that, then the second step is Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. You know that story a thousand times, but people don't understand Jesus died to get rid of your sins with his blood. That's the only act that can save you from your sins. People think they can save themselves. I go to church. I get baptized. I repent of all my sin. No, you're wasting your time. You got to only rely on what he did on the cross to save you. You might say, then what do I do now? What, what you do now is you just say it to him. It's that simple. 
10 seconds or less, just say to him, God, okay, I realize that I'm a sinner. I repent. All I can do is just believe what you did on the cross to save me. It's that simple. Would you do it right now before it's too late? I'll give you the opportunity to say it. You can say it to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. You can repeat after me this way. You can say, dear God, I repent. As a sinner, I only believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected to save me. I'm not trusting in my works, only you. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you could bow your head and close your eyes one last time, please, one last time. I'm going to wrap it up now. Thank you so much for your patience. I'm going to wrap it up right now. Did anyone just repeat after me in the prayer and you could just slip up your hand real briefly, real quick, and I'm not going to point out who you are, all right? This is totally confidential. It's private. Did anyone just repeat those words after me just now? Could you slip up your hand real quick? I want to make sure if someone got saved. All right, I really appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much. Let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you all so much for your honesty. God, thank you so much for salvation through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the preaching of your word. I pray that we got convicted, that we will change, that we will repent, because we only have one life left to live, Father, and we've already suffering so much damage from wasted years and wasted time. I pray that we'll get our act together and live our very best in our days for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you all. Thank you.